Hello and welcome to the sweet spot on a farm episode 46 part 2. If this is your first episode and you have no idea what this podcast is about, then the sweet spot is all about natural health. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals and anyone whose business and life's mission it is to help us support our health as naturally as possible. In today's episode, we talk about stress and it's the second part of my interview with the holistic treatment provider, Mary Jane Burns. If you didn't catch the first part, I think you should go back and listen to it first. We talked about Mary Jane's journey from stressed out chef to a holistic practitioner. We talked about stress and we talked about dyslexia. In this part, we'll discuss, amongst other things, Mary Jane's own experiences with stress. Enjoy. It's really interesting though, because I do, I, I can imagine that different people respond differently to different things. And I suppose down the line everybody will prefer them different mm-hmm. treatments because yeah. I suppose different people will get more benefit from yes. different kind of Yes, and it can, tend, can, tend, it can t- uh, depend on our backgrounds as well uh, and that can be cultural, religious and all sorts of things because one of the members he also mentioned that I do kind of Reiki yeah. so that's kind of uh, in the bracket of energy healing and it can be harder to explain how and why it works so some people are more accepting of that than others. So the Reiki is something I call Diamond Ingus Light Healing. So that is done with that kind of that energy healing. And some people are more open to that. Some people it's a wee bit woo-woo and out there for them and that's not their thing at all. And they would rather have something where they can tune into the, the aromatherapy or this makes sense to them because that's the plants doing it. Uh, rather than something that's a bit more esoteric for them of that the energy healing kind of uh, modality but in general I suppose um, there is something for everyone and I think anyone could benefit from um, this sort of stress management because I I think it is incredibly important I don't think a lot of people realize how much of an impact stress can yeah. have if yeah. not dealt with yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Well, I, I'm the as I said, the perfect one. Didn't know how much it was. I knew it was there, but back then I and it would have been I suppose in our family culture as well of, you know, the doctor's always right kind of thing. And yes, they often are. But I thought there was no point admitting or saying I had stress because there was nothing could be done about it. And I come from a family, in a way, luckily, that, um, the same as my mum, we would be medically sensitive. The strongest thing I can take is soluble aspirin. I can't take cocodamol, paracetamol, or anything like that. Mum was the same. We would, have, we would have adverse reactions to a lot of medication. So I was never, ever going to go down that route of the doctor wanting to give me uh, antidepressant. First, I wasn't depressed, Stressed, yes. Depressed, definitely not. It's almost stress is almost the opposite of depression, although they can be linked. So there was no way I was taking a tablet that he wanted. Now he did kind of say to me, "Oh, it's a muscle relaxant," and I did take something, and I went into a back into a kitchen with a chef that I know really, really well, and he said to me, and it was a new kitchen that we were working in, and I hadn't been there before. It was like a sandwich bar place. It should have been easy. And he pulled me to one side and says, what's wrong with you today? I says, nothing. Oh, it's a new kitchen. I'm not used to it. So he sat me down and says, what have you taken? I said, I haven't taken anything. He said, you have. What have you taken? 
And I said, nothing, I'm all right. He says, did you go to the doctor's? And I says, yeah. He says, what did he give you? I says, oh, it was like a muscle relaxant thing. And he says, have you got it in your bag? Let me see. He, he went, oh, yeah, it doesn't relax, relax your muscles, but it's an antidepressant. You are having a really bad reaction. I don't know even how you drove here today. And you are not going home until I have bucked enough coffee in you or whatever I need to do to get you that you are safe. And so even if um, I hadn't reacted in that way, antidepressants wouldn't have worked for me. And I didn't know. That was the scariest thing. And I think that was actually a good lesson to learn too. Because you'd think, how could I have been so off the planet and not know that I was until he got that out of me I thought I was fine and even the lesson of that you get a prescribed medication and you don't look at what it is yeah you just take it trusting the doctor that yeah. what he's given you is the right thing for yeah. you yeah especially when I had said that we were you know chemically sensitive to medication and I didn't want an antidepressant mm. so we gave and so we got round that by saying it's a muscle relaxant it's just another example of how the pill is often not the answer. No, no. Because it was an antidepressant, but that's not what my chemical biology was mm. happening. You know, it was anxiety, which is a d different chemicals at play than depression is. So holistic treatments can obviously be a, an, an enormous help um, when it comes to de-stressing and, and helping someone to deal with distress but because holistic treatments are not under the NHS obviously they are a paid service I can imagine there are a lot of people who are incredibly stressed mm -hmm. but who are not financially stable enough to um be able to afford a holistic mm -hmm. treatment to deal with the stress and it's this is this is this is the kind of this, the, the the social issues that that tend to really mess with a lot mm -hmm. of people's health because when somebody's in a f not a good financial position that yeah, causes stress, stress yeah. which causes you yeah. bad health yeah so is there anything that people could do themselves at home mm -hmm. to cope with stress or help yes. de-stress? There, there is. It's maybe a bit uh, hard to describe um, sort of on the podcast because uh, some of these things, um, and again, that's why we would run workshops so that, that reduces the price because you're paying to be as part of a workshop. Uh, something called social prescribing coming into the area where that means uh, ke um, chemists and doctors can start to prescribe or gear people maybe towards more holistic ways of being. So... Uh, so that can be useful, but it's not in, in all of the uh, councils yet in Northern Ireland. So that's another route. Um, and again, if you go onto my sort of Facebook page and things like that, there, there are some, I maybe need to do another demonstration. I haven't done one recently, but there are ones where I would do, you know, Facebook lives and then you've got the the video clips and things like that where I'm talking about sort of either the herbs, the oils, or some techniques and things that you can use. But uh, some of them, are ironically, are based on sort of... Do you remember the, the nursery rhyme, this little piggy, and you twiddle your toe, and you twiddle the toes? Mm. 
No, I don't know. Oh, that. you don't know that one? No, no it must, must be an English nursery rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> the, or a British one, should I say. Uh, so people that know the, the nursery rhyme, this little piggy and the way the, twiddle, they, the toes are moved and the rhyme is done, well, that's a reflexology technique. So in our ancient history, because when I was training for the kinesiology, they would have said, well, these techniques are all in our kind of, in our past, they're in our culture, we've just lost them over time. And I, oh, where have we lost them? You know, because some old wives' tales have genuine uh, truth in them and some of them are just superstition. And I think science is starting to work out uh, more which is which. So it would have maybe been in our nursery rhymes, it would have maybe been in uh, the stories that we told that these techniques were supposed to be passed down verbally or we were supposed to know them. You know, grannies would have taught them to the grandchildren and mummies to the daddies and all, and that. We we knew these things in the past. It's it's similar to knowing the, not necessarily scientifically, having to know why peppermint helps with digestion, but instinctively in the past we knew that it helped with digestion, so we ate it. It would have been the same with some of these techniques. We would have known that they, they helped, so we did them without having to know why. <laughs> that is so true. I think instinct is a, is an important thing because we kind of forgot to use our instincts yeah. when it comes to these things, yeah. especially when it comes to our health. Yeah. And again, we are we were sort of global now, and it's much easier to travel. But but even in the sort of past, uh, Victorian and way back when, our cultures were mixing more than we thought. So in sort of hotter climates like China and India, they have their spices. And in the West, we tend to have herbs or the softer leaf things. But uh, it's like turmeric, uh, the turmeric root, highly um, antibacterial. And it's an adaptogen, which means it can adapt to what the body needs. And in here, uh, sort of in sort of the UK and parts of Europe, we use a lot of those spices around Christmas time. If you think of your Christmas spices, you've got clove, you've got cinnamon and all those. They're all antiviral, antibacterial. When is the most time of year that we are most likely to suffer for viral infections? Look, so what, look what's going on at the minute. You know, but up your spices, your herbs, you know, and all of those things like rosemary, thyme, they all have antiviral, antibacterial properties. That's why we eat them, that's why we use them. It doesn't need to come from via a pharmaceutical in a pill. We can do a lot for ourselves by eating those herbs or using the oils in and around our home. And a lot of those spices like the clove and the oils like that, especially in their oil, uh, in the aromatherapy oils, they actually uh, can kill airborne bacteria and virus as well. And I suppose the same approach would apply to stress because there are a lot of herbs that are incredibly calming. Yeah. So I guess we just need to tune yeah. into our yeah. instincts and yes. the innate knowledge that yes. we've got from yeah. things like yeah things like calomile and those ones. Yes, that they're known as they're not sedative in the way that that they make <clears throat> the, the brain go kind of blank. But yes, that they, they relax. They have that relaxing effect on the body it's often the sweeter ones maybe like your lavender and yang nang and different ones like that tend to be the more relaxing ones and again there's ones that would appeal maybe more to the male or to the female as well 
like the woodier ones like cedarwood and cypress and things like that. So I suppose maybe maybe that's one of the things that people could maybe do at home if they would struggle financially with um, holistic treatments, even the likes of using herbs and mm-hmm. using herbal remedies at home. Yeah. People would some say say, Well, which how do I know which one? And it's like what one appeals to you at that moment in time. If you don't like the smell of it, and I've said it's relaxing, well, <laughs> me saying it's relaxing and you don't like the smell of it, it's not relaxing. You know, there's that sense of, you know, go for yourself, but what mood, what mood are you in or what ones, you know, like often the lemon, they're, they're, they're uplifting and they sort of alert the brain. But that can be relaxing if, if you've got that foggy brain and it's shutting down. That boost of lemon, you know, is just what the body needed. So it's going with what feels right for you at that moment in time. So what different techniques are you using in your practice? So we talked a little bit about using kinesiology, Mm -hmm. Reiki. Is there any, and aromatherapy, obviously. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you use? Well, the the aromatherapy that I use is called a raindrop technique because the oils are just very, it's a very gentle massage and the oils are just gently dripped down onto the spine and rather than blended all all together, they're sort of layered. So it's, it's almost like building a cake or a recipe. Uh, so that that would be the aromatherapy massage that I do, and uh, dissolve and resolve emotions uh, again. A lot of you'd be maybe working up in and around the head and the gut area. Uh, it uses the again the some of the principles of reflexology and craniosacral work, and this is very much based on you know you have and again it's a two hour treatment so we have an air bed on so it's lovely and cozy and the quilts and things like that. And again, if you you're having someone lying down, it can seem a strange question, but you're you're maybe asking them, where are you holding your stress? Where's that fear? Where's that anger? You know what percent is it there? Where's it being held? And even those that are very left-brained and that normally they wouldn't be they they think of themselves as not being intuitive. They can usually tell you, oh well, that's in my shoulder, that's in my left shoulder, that's in my right knee. And then another question you can then be asking people, is it yours? And then they go, what do you mean, is it mine? And I said, well, have you inherited it? Is that a pattern that your mother had, your father had, your grandfather had, your neighbour had? What culture are you from? Is it a cultural thing? We're just coming out of uh, what went on in Northern Ireland. We're in peacetimes now. But when we moved, when I moved here, it was still in the 1970s. So how much post-traumatic stress is Northern Ireland still in? That there are generations now that are suffering really, really badly with their emotional stress and struggling in school. They didn't experience that, but their grandmother did, their mother did. And they are still in that coping mechanism and now they're saying to you, and you get that, oh, well, the kids should be fine, you know, we're in peace times now. No, we're not, because those psychological patterns are still being passed down. And they've proved that with uh, Auschwitz and Hiroshima and different things like that. That trans passed down the generations, not just a physical illness, but that emotional stress. Because if the granny and the mother is a stress mummy, and the child's picked that up, that's carried on does that make sense yeah that 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 they've learned that they've grown up with that 
that tiger is already sitting in that room and that tiger, maybe the granny saw that tiger. Her daughter didn't, her grandchild didn't. But that pattern of there's a tiger in the room is in, in ingrained in us. And in, in Europe, it's very ingrained in a lot of us because it's a cultural pattern. It's much like the kind of grief and trauma being passed from generation to generation that Gabor Mate talks about. Yeah, exactly the same thing. It doesn't matter whether it's grief, it doesn't matter whether it's a traumatic incident, what emotional, where it came from. Yes, that is passed down. And in science, they are now proving that that our DNA can change in some of those victims of severe things that their DNA has changed. And ironically, in science, it's like it's on the DNA and it's, how can that happen? They actually call it trigger switches that can switch on and off. Mm. Well, in the therapy world, we'd been calling it triggers for a long, long time, not realising that there were these on and off switches in the DNA, but we knew that we could switch off a trigger in the body by the effects on our clients and the techniques that we were using we maybe didn't understand the science of it, but the science of it now is saying, yeah, it's right, that does happen. So rather than coshing it with a medication, let's release it out by a hands-on and letting the body soften itself out. Our bodies know where the stuff's been held. On some level it knows. We don't have to know it in a logical way from our brain. But you can do those releasing techniques uh, of the pressure points and you can feel that person's body soften. The head gets heavier in your hands because they're back in their head or lighter because it was way too stiff and hard or whatever it was. You can feel those, you can feel it happening and so can the client. And I've had, you know, someone on the bed and it hasn't come into the conversation and and men as well he, he was in my granny's just suddenly popping into my head why is she popping into my head <laughs> and it was like okay and it was you could tell that was maybe a good memory or a, whatever I said, well, is it okay for it to be in your head yes it is and I'll go well we'll just keep going with that it's just a memory surfacing and it's releasing the the well in that case it was, it was the grief because the granny had passed away I said that, that's just that floating away and he says, yeah, I can think about her now and it's happy. Instead of that blocking down, don't even think of Granny because I'm so bereft that that memory just needs to be pushed down because it's too, too sad and too, too hard to think about. And that just you see that just floating off and it's bringing that kind of that happiness and that memory back. That's, I find all this fascinating and even more fascinating that we we still haven't learned to this day that this is something that we really need to address and a lot of us just keep going through life stressed like mm-hmm. crazy and storing all our bad experiences yeah. and stressful experiences and just not dealing with it. Yeah. And then we suffer with the likes of IBS, mm-hmm. IBD. Mm-hmm. and other chronic mm-hmm. and inflammatory conditions oh yeah and blaming it on everything else yeah but <laughs> us not yeah. dealing with what no, we need to deal with exactly not dealing with what we're doing dealing with but that was our body trying <clears throat> to protect us it was trying to protect me from that tiger by you know emptying my gut in whichever way it chose it thought it was being helpful 
it's not the body's fault that it was receiving incorrect signals. So the, the body in general is always trying to help us or protect us. So you're saying about inflammatory and it can be water retention or something like that. That could be the body trying to dilute something, a toxin in the body, or there can be reasons why we have water retention or the muscles are stiff or whatever it is. Now, it, it may be causing more harm than good, but usually, or it could be um, healing a wound or something like that, and that takes time. Uh, and again, back to another topic. From when I was young, when mum was young, when my granny was young, our diet has changed hugely. In our modern world, we are dealing with chemicals and substances that our body does not know to do how to deal with. I'm talking about additives, food colorants, artificial foods such as margarine, and artificial sugars, and also our, they may be useful, but our body doesn't always know what to do with them. Mm. So it has two choices. It tries to get rid of them or it tries to store them and hide them and and it can uh, change our chemistry. We're fairly finely balanced and we can take a huge lot. But if it's overwhelmed with artificial food that have no nutritional value either, that's the brain and the body very confused. It's going, oh, I thought I was getting lemons. Oh, I thought I was getting oranges. And we're eating fruit pastels. Full of the smell and the flavour. But we've just... And the body's trying to get fresh fruit salad and we're feed, feeding it jelly with the artificial stuff. And the and body is... is in a panic. It's going, <laughs> I needed that zinc for my eyes. You know, where's the potassium in the strawberries, the lemons that I can smell? I can smell limes. I can smell blackcurrant. Where's my vitamin C? There is none. So then it's had that false signal... And then, of course, it will reach for more because it's trying to get food. So we're overfed and undernutrition, no nutrition. That's actually a good point because we, a lot of us, and I, you said at the beginning that when you're stressed, you, you, you would lose weight because you don't really feel like eating. I'm, I'm exactly the same. But there are a lot of people who deal with stress the opposite, the opposite way. way. And not realizing that actually um, comfort eating is more stress onto the body yeah. because a lot of the comfort eating. I don't know anyone who would comfort eat carrot sticks with organic hummus. No. When you're comfort eating, it's chips and and you know processed foods and crisps and mm-hmm. all this bad stuff and chocolates and mm-hmm. stuff with yeah. a lot of sugar. And so you're think you're comforting yourself, but you're actually putting a lot more stress onto the body. And then the body has to deal with extra stress on yes, top of that. It does. Because and the sugar one is a good point because in nature sugar is a very very rare commodity. If you think of it in the past, we're back to the tiger and we're foraging in the forests. Uh, honey, uh, if you could get hold of honey, um, you if you watch honey bears, you know they can smell it for miles away and they go mad. So you know, so we would crave sugar like honey, uh, sweet fruits and things like that. The sugar tells us that they're ripe. And our sweet vegetables would be maybe like our beetroots and our carrots and sugar beets that sugar is made from. But because they were rare in the past and they were seasonal and we needed to glut on them, there isn't a switch-off signal in the brain. There is a switch-off signal for you've had too much protein. If you eat one more piece of that steak, you're going to throw up. But there isn't a sugar switch. 
uh, and the healthy oils and things like that in the past, you know, there there is more of a limit on that. But again, it's a weaker switch because to get high fat protein was rare. So it's it's the the body hasn't adapted to our availability of food in the supermarkets. And when I was younger, I still remember the first, you know, uh, there would have been small supermarkets and things like that. I'm not name brands, but then it was the mega supermarket arrived when my mum didn't have to have the quiche homemade ready for me to come home from school. Because I was usually sugared by then. And I, because the um, the dyslexia, you bur- you're a very inefficient, uh, inefficient body, really. I'm like a Ferrari car and you're putting diesel in me and I'm chugging along the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have needed to eat often. Uh, but my mum could, and now we can just go to the supermarket and we can lift a quiche off the shelf. I can lift something off and I have it eaten in the car. I don't even have to get home. So we that sort of having the preparing the food and waiting for the food is no longer there. And if we have, as you say, that stress going on in our lives that we're the comfort eating, we will just keep going because the stress isn't going to go away the food's so available and then we've got the addictive nature of the sugar because the trip switch isn't there to switch it off so it's not our faults but we're on that cycle of whatever so i suppose the 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 kind of solution there would be a to recognize the the issue and maybe prevention as well to learn how to deal with stress and, and recognise mm-hmm. what triggers us and how we can deal with it so we sail through mm-hmm. stressful situations and and um, and that I think is really hard and, and that's when sort of workshops mm-hmm. like the ones you're running could be really helpful in giving people the kind of kick they need yes. in, in recognising A, the importance of recognising yeah. stress and being able to deal with mm-hmm. it but also having provide providing people with the tools yes. to do that. Yes, and I think in our society, because we're used to going through school, we like to know why. And I'm lucky through the journey I've been in, I can answer that why from several different angles and can usually answer those questions. And if I can't, I will say, oh, I'm not sure, I need to go and look that up. Give me a minute, I'll find out for you. Uh, but, you know, and then it's like it's connecting because... A, Again, we're a bit like we were saying with the uh, NHS and different things that treat the head differently to the body, but they're the one unit. So sometimes if we can satisfy the brain with an answer, it can allow the body to relax because the brain has had its answer and it's satisfied with that answer. And then that's sending that chemical through the body as well. So sometimes it's, that's why sometimes having the answer or the question answered is useful rather than saying, oh, I don't know, go away. Because then that person's mind is going, well, hang on a minute, why, 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 why would that, why would this, why would that? And when it's like joining the, the dots up or doing the jigsaw puzzle and you slot that piece in and people can see the picture, they can let go of that searching for that answer or what's that about. The brain knows and it has that then to sort of fall back on. Well, you've had your answers, and mm. it got you to change your profession. Yes, <laughs> I had a lot of questions. Of course, tonight. you're not yeah. suggesting that everybody goes <laughs> no. and studies holistic therapies <laughs> and becomes a professional. No, but um, it certainly worked for you. Um, so, how's your IBS now? Is is it gone? Completely gone. 
completely, completely gone. If you have seen me, I can eat more and I, I'm still slim and I still do burn the calories rapidly. Yes, but that's that's part of the dyslexia as well. We, we need a lot of fuel to keep that um, wonderful way of thinking that we have fed. Uh, but no, I'm no longer there. I um, When I was young, I would have uh, had poor digestion of uh, dairy and milk products the way a lot of children can do, lactose intolerance. Um, milk is no longer... I wouldn't never drink milk, but I can now take it in my and tea and cereal and things like that. I'm not as intolerant to it as I, I was, but it wouldn't be my favourite choice of food. But I can eat anything and everything. I'm no long, I no longer struggle with wheat. Um, I no longer struggle with the dairy. Thankfully, because I love cheese. <laughs> that was very hard to have to try and give up to sort myself out. I never was a big eater of meat, and I'm still not really. Uh, but um, I would eat sort of fish and meat sometimes in, in my diet when I feel the notion for it. But, yeah, no, I do not suffer from poor digestion. I do not suffer from nausea. Uh, thankfully, um, I very rarely get that brain fog. And if I am, I know how to deal with it. And that's usually when I'm under stress or overwhelmed. Or And there's still some tasks that I find more difficult than others. You know, I'm not great with them, you know. Um my 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 English, I, I was always what a good reader. I'm not a particularly good speller. Um, I would struggle with uh, maths and numbers sometimes. That would still be they. They now call that I think is a dyscalculia. When I when I was at school, dyslexia was just the one band. But you know the way medicine and diagnostics they like to sort of categorize, and there's now all sorts of different terms and different types of what I would call the dyslexic tendency. It's a bit like the autistic tendency. There's all sorts of different names for different types of autism. And it's just sort of, but each person is unique. So if they can just say, okay, that tendency is there. What what is, what are the parts that this particular person struggles with, rather than they've, a bit like uh, in the hospitals and modern medicine, there's the the expert in the the liver, the kidney, the the blood, the spine, the bones, the whatever, rather than the holistic. And they're sort of, I think they're sort of doing that slightly as well with the, the different learnings as well, that they're dividing them up instead of seeing the person as a whole. And on some days we can all be more dyslexic or whatever than others. <laughs> we can all crash at some stage and not be able to think straight. You know, so we're all on, we're all on the spectrum of whatever they call that. In kinesiology, we would have said maybe Down's a, a Down's personality at one end and an autistic personality at the other end. And we're all somewhere, well, they used to say in the middle, but none of us are in the middle. And depending on the mood or how the day, day's going, we can switch. You know, we can be the autistic end where it's like, nobody near me, nobody touch me, go away. And the Down's, it's all love and give me a cuddle and there's no social boundaries and they just love everybody and want to, and can't understand why someone would want to push them away cause, <laughs> because they're Down's. And, oh, you know, so we're all on that tendency as well. Or, or the one that we're sort of with the Down's, if you teach them to do, say, set the table in a certain way, don't try and change that because they will do that forever. <laughs> and all this erraticness of doing things differently just confuses, well, it confuses the autistic and the Down's, you know, that they like to have their routines. But they're, we're, we're all on that, whatever they call, spectrum.
I know anyone that says they're normal in the middle. Nah, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly not on a bad day, they're not. Well, talking about being individual and unique, I'd like to know, out of all the techniques that you've come into close encounter and the ones you practice, which one is your favourite and why? Mm, make me pick one I'm doing, I'm doing my usual you know the same Mary Jane pick one and I went no can I have two uh, which one I think the dissolve and resolve emotions the dare why because it really does help with the transgenerational stuff um, I love the aromatherapy and the back massage because of the plants and the catering and all of that and it is wonderful and it can do that but not on such a deep level to have one where you can go right where's this trauma come from is it an inherited pattern and can we just get that to relax out of your body that you're not passing that on to your next generation that's huge where you can work on those family patterns and make a difference not only to that person, but to the people around them and to the generations to come. That's interesting. And I'm going to have another question, which means that you're going to have to pick one. We we talked about um, food quite a bit, and it's really interesting that no matter what we talk about on this podcast, Mm -hmm. we always end up talking a lot about food. Um, You sort of touched on what your diet is Mm -hmm. Like now yes. when you're IBS free and, yeah. and that's wonderful. I always envy people who can eat anything and everything because I'm still not there yet. <laughs> but what is your, if any, because I saw you grow a lot of stuff yeah. outside in, in your garden. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you eat a lot of greens mm-hmm. and you obviously incorporate a lot of herbs into yes. your cooking and, and yeah. you're into aromatherapy. Um, but what is your favorite vegetable if you have one? Beetroot. Back to the sugar. The beetroot, when it's ripe, is a very sweet vegetable and you can roast it. It's a bit like, you know, you the uh, the sweet potatoes. It's a similar kind of... And you, yeah, and yet it's nice when it's pickled. You can grate it and we tend not to eat it raw out of here as much, but you can. You can grate it like a grated carrot into a salad. You can boil it, you can preserve it. You can have it, and then if you've pickled it, you've got that. You've got sweet and sour, and you, you know. I think it's just so, so versatile. That is so funny. You're talking about beetroot and and grating it into a salad because I had a beetroot and courgette salad yesterday. Did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had a. I just very simple. I just grated yeah. courgette, grated beetroot, put some pumpkin seeds in it, oh, and lovely. had. Um, it was actually inspiration from uh, another podcast I did with Paula Heaney from um, Skinny Malinkis. And uh, then I just chucked in some ginger and, and raw apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, a bit of olive oil, and that's sweet and sour. Yeah. That's, I yeah. love sour taste. Yeah. You're making me hungry so well. now. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the only other, kind of, from the vegetable perspective, uh, yes, uh, sweet potatoes, carrots, there's not that many of them that are uh, as sweet as others. Parsnips, I suppose. Yeah, of course, they're, they're, them. Yeah, yeah, and they're still, they're part of the carrot family. Carrots originally yeah. used to be white, but through preference, we have genetically picked them to become and orange and orange and purple. Yeah, so the, an orange carrot is a human choice for that carrot yeah. to be orange. It's a genetic preference, but yes, yeah, so those sweet root vegetables and again because they're 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 a root, so that is uh, what the 
plant needs to sustain itself. It's a bit like a bulb and it's a storage. So they're very highly packed in nutrients as well. They've got a lot of vitamins, minerals and things in them as well. And do you have a favourite recipe of yours with beetroot that you could share with our listeners? Ah, let's see. Can't think. I do, I love them roasted and I would grate them into things. But my favourite vegetarian dish, uh, it's actually a soup. Really? Yeah. You're not the first one, and I, I think soups are wonderful. Because they are so versatile and they're so easy. Do you want me to read it out now yes, or do it later? Yes, well, this is please. one because this was way back in the day, as I said, I'd always tended towards a more of a vegetarian diet than a heavy meat diet. But it was when I was working up in Belfast and it was a girl who helped out in the kitchen and she was a vegetarian. She may well have been vegan, which is very, very unusual back then. And me being a cook, and I would have, she would have been coming in at dinner time, and she had her meal before her shift started. So I would have been doing all these nice exotic-y, vegetarian-y dishes, and looking through and seeing what what could I do for her, because she has to be a nice meal. And she turned around to me and said to me one day, she says, Mary Jane, do you know what's just as nice? Carrots with butter on it. You don't have to tart it up to make it special. It's already a vegetable. I thought that was that was gold, but this is a recipe that she gave me, and um, these are probably slightly industrial <laughs> quantities. So you can, um, so it would be you know the little white beans are they the haricot beans? Mm. So it would be fourteen ounces of soaked uh, beans, and then you you boil them up to soften them, and then once they're softened enough, you have this. This is a big pot of soup you've got two two onions four four carrots two leeks and a small head of celery and they're all finely diced so they're the same size and again you're cooking you're boiling off those vegetables until they've 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 softened down and then once the beans uh and the vegetables are all cooked you're combining them together and you adjust the level of stock if it's evaporated too far down and you're going to add some fresh parsley to that. But the magic ingredient, and then at that stage you taste it for your salt and pepper. And at that stage, it's not really, it's amazing. Uh, It's not the most appealing soup, but you will have uh, diced finely uh, eight ounces of tomatoes. And you throw the tomatoes in at the very end. You're not boiling them because there's enough heat in the soup. And those tomatoes warm warm through. And you taste the soup then. And there's something about the chemistry of what's in the tomatoes completely changes the taste of the soup. That's interesting. It's incredible. Do you know what? This sounds like a perfect soup recipe for a slow cooker. Because I'm a lay- sometimes I'm yeah. really, really lazy and I love yeah. just putting stuff in a slow cooker. Yes. And it then you would wake up in the morning... Be it would be because especially for the beans you can use yeah. you can use the tinned ones but the tinned ones tend to be too soft mm. you know you want the cut beans to be tender and soft enough to eat but you know there's still that wee bite whereas uh, when they're canned uh, they tend to be very very soft mm. and they're great for pureeing pureeing them but yeah and again you're just sort of cooking the onions and the carrots and the leeks and celery down to that they're soft enough or if you want that bit of crunch it's uh, perfectly safe to leave the crunch in the vegetables but not in your beans they need to be fully cooked 
and then just adjusting the stock levels, seasoning levels, the parsley levels, and then just the tomatoes at the end. That sounds yummy. And a beetroot salad on a side. And oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yes. Must yeah, I haven't I haven't tried it with the beetroot. But yeah, no um, yeah, beetroot is a is a lovely vegetable, but that that's that's a favourite soup just because of that strange way that the tomatoes affect the whole taste of it at the end. That sounds lovely. Thank you for sharing that. And then um, one last thing that remains before I let you go is would you tell our listeners, um, somebody might be from Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and maybe might want to sign up for one of your mm-hmm. workshops and mm-hmm. maybe come for a treatment, um, how can people contact you? Where can they see your lovely um, videos and how can they book a session? Uh, Facebook is the main one. Uh, so I'm my name's Mary Jane Burns. So you'll find my personal page is Mary Jane Burns, but a lot of that is about the garden and things like that. It's unless it's an important of what was the last meal I've just eaten, but it's not about my, my family. And then from that, you will find several different health and well-being pages that I run. They usually have Mary Jane in them. There's Mary Jane Balanced Health. There's the one for the CIC that we were talking about, the Holistic Health and Wellbeing Company, CIC. It has its own page. And my phone number, if people wish to phone me as well, I'm contactable that way. So that's um, 077-499-31255. And, or you can do through Messenger. As, as well but Facebook's the main one I am on Instagram but I can be a bit erratic with that and I've never quite got the hang of Twitter oh there's two of us <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you have any workshops coming up? Uh, we're planning some at the minute but uh, again what I would say for that especially if people run kind of groups uh, whether it's uh, you know like whether it's a church group a women's group or evening group um and again, I'm used to working with people, as you, we've talked about, on all ends of the spectrum and all, all abilities. Uh, if you have a group that you wish for me to come and give a uh, talk to, contact me. And we'll sort out some the price can vary, but that's that's more on distance travels. You know, that, you know, for the, the time it's taking me to get there is taken into account as well. But you can book me for workshops and things like that or travel here to Killock. There's treatment rooms that I use on a regular basis in Belfast and in Lisbon, so you can contact me. So that saves you know people travelling all the way to Kilocken as they wish to. It's lovely here. I don't know who wouldn't want to. Oh, yes, because you get the sea air. Totally. And, and there's a lovely little cafe in the village that make their own bread and everything. They're not open on a Monday and Tuesday, so I would advise clients sometimes when they're coming here, if, <laughs> if you want to go to the cafe, book, you know, Wednesday through to Sunday. And the sea air is part of the treatment. <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah, very important. Great. Well, thank you very so, much. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure as well. If you want to contact Mary Jane to book a workshop or a treatment... You can contact her via social media or by phone. If you didn't manage to write it down, the phone number is 07749-931255. Mary Jane drew attention to what's happening at the minute with the virus outbreak and watching how people are completely senselessly stockpiling on loo rolls and processed foods. I think that now more than ever is important to really prioritize smart food choices and stockpiling on processed foods to fight a virus 
That's not smart. Eat real food grown in organic soils wherever possible. Nurture your body with vegetables and home-cooked meals to boost your immune system with real nutrients. I mean, that's common sense. And that's what we should be doing any day, any time of the year, regardless of virus or no virus outbreak. There are many recipes available online that you can draw inspiration from and that can help you to utilize vegetables and real foods and help you cook from scratch. Remember that even all the plant-based recipes shared on this podcast to date, including Mary Jane's soup, can be found and downloaded from the file section of the Sweet Spot on a Farm public group page on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, tell your friends and family, and please rate us on iTunes, or even better, write us a short and honest review. It takes many hours of work and a lot of thought and effort to put this content together. It is available for free and all I ask in return is to help us boost the visibility by commenting, rating, sharing if you like what we are doing. And another way to help us is to buy our cookbook, The Sweet Spot, Feast Your Way to a Healthy Gut, which is available in paperback either on Amazon or via personal order or in digital form via iBooks. And one pound from each paperback copy sold goes to a local mental health charity, Mind Your Mate and Yourself. Have a lovely week. Stay calm amidst the panic. Eat real food to nourish your body. And above all, whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>